Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you already know the 50-year mission is definitive oral history of Star Trek. And Secrets of the Force will tell you everything you want to know about the history of Star Wars. But what you probably don't know is Ed Gross and I have a new book coming out this July. They shouldn't have killed this dog. The complete uncensored ass-kicking oral history of John Wick, Gun Fu, and the new age of action. Coming from St. Martin's in hardcover, digital, and audio. You can order it today. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. This is Darren Doctorman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. See, I thought it was a classic femme fatale. Just so much fun. Like that Shakespearean lace in your acting. I said, Gene, what do you want from this character? I want you to just take the character and make it your own. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time on the film. On day one, the movie was already $15 million over budget. We started this movie without an ending. That's like painting yourself into a corner. I don't think we've ever had a Star Trek oh, captain on our true. show. Being, as you said, number one of the, on the call sheet, it is a producer's position if you're going to take it seriously. I was so glad they didn't cast me as Lorca. <laughs> <laughs> you famously wrote that script in 12 days. On one level, I wrote the script. And on another level, the story was written by everybody and sure. his brother. New episodes every Saturday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or download the Electric Now app. Keep on trekking. Ingloriously, of course. Inglorious Trexperts, the only podcast for fans with a life, is available every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. And on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. Hello and welcome to Best Movies Never Made, a podcast where we talk about interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. Most of the time, the movies you're trying to make don't get made. Like, four of them may happen, one of them may happen, none of them may yeah. happen, and I'll be attached to three more things by end of summer. Turn the script into something resembling like Unforgiven with Conan. Yeah. Suddenly the rights expired and the whole thing just like went away oh. overnight. New episodes will be available every other Monday. We won't see you at the movies. Best Movies Never Made, as featured in Entertainment Weekly, is available wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Welcome to the 430 movie. This is... The below the line must be drawn here and no further week Wait, <laughs> as we celebrate the categories Oscar forgot week. Oh, that's better. I'm Mark A. Altman, <laughs> and this is the 430 movie oh. with your favorite 430 movie hosts, the Monday Mad World of Steve Melching. It's an honor to be nominated. On Tuesday, it's Terrific Tuesday till Tuesday with Darren Doctorman. I'd like to thank the Academy, but I can't. And on Wednesday, he's still getting Oscars because as a writer, they're still presenting those for the time being, is the <laughs> wonderful writer, Ashley Edward Miller. You like me. You really <laughs> like me. So I'm very disappointed. Apparently, no one showed up in black tie today. If you're listening to the podcast, you won't be able to tell. But if you're watching us on the Electric Now channel, you'll be very disappointed. You I know what? I'm boycotting. If, if we're not on the show, why should we dress up? That's there right. you go. If we're not on the show, why dress up? And, and what, what is this? For those of you who are living in a cave, uh, what, what, what are we talking about? Well, this year, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, which puts on the Oscars, um, decided that they would um, not present several categories live. Rather, live. they would do right. a, a ceremony when the red carpet is going on at the beginning. 
uh, present them then and then do a edited down version, which be presented during the show. Now, their big excuse is I'm still going to be presented during the show. But basically, uh, it's not going to be the the full thing. It'll be an edited package, much like they do for the honorary Oscars, which are sometimes some of the most interesting Oscars that if they're lucky, maybe show up for 30 seconds on the uh, broadcast. So these are the categories these geniuses decided to eliminate some of the most important crafts on a film, but apparently because they don't wear Versace, they're not in the broadcast. Excuse me, Mark, it's Versace. (laughs) (laughs) Film editing, film editing, makeup and hairstyling. You think that, you know, that's something really important to the actors. Maybe they would have kept that one. Um, Original score. That one really gets you in the feels. Because we all are huge film score connoisseurs. We'll talk about that. Production design. Darren being a concept designer who's worked with some of the great production designers in the business. I, I can only imagine how irate you were to find well, out. I would I would never get named in one of those anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> no, but it's not about it's not about you. It's about respect for the craft. Oh, it is about me. But anyway, <laughs> no, it's <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's a, getting treated like a second class citizen is not fun in any craft. And then there's also best sound, which is uh, again, <laughs> again a, a a super important category. And 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 the way to educate people about how important it is is to have it on the show. Like I anyway, we'll get there. I want because I want to talk about on a, as a kid they would do these little uh, packages where they would explain like somebody would come up like Robin Williams and he go and it was like what are you saying. And he would illustrate why sound is so important. And they would show how, you know, scenes from a movie without sound design. It's like, if I remember, they even did something like that with Star Wars once. And it's like, you just see how important, you know, someone who's not in the business, these, these, these crafts are. Okay. And then they also eliminated from the live broadcast, animated short and live action short. I'm not as irate about that. Honestly, I think that that's not a horrible idea. Um, but that's speaking for myself. Of course, the show will be hosted by, and I'm a fan of all three women who are hosting, but they're totally wrong for the show. Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, and Wanda Sykes, who I love from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, but you know, there used to be a time when movie stars, you know, hosted these things. People who had heft, you know, who had a history in motion pictures. Or at least Johnny Carson. Or at least, yeah. uh, you know, somebody like Johnny Carson. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we have no Johnny Carson. A anymore. legendary we have MC. Jimmy Fallon. Oh, that's oh. true. That's a <laughs> down trade. Anyway, I got to ask you guys, I got to ask you guys, you know, because what we're going to do, because the first year we did an Oscar show, we all picked the movies that were nominated for Oscar, what we would have, what we would have picked, what we, what we thought should win. Uh, that was the first year we did it. The second year on 430 Movie, we did a week called, uh, it's an honor not to be nominated. These are films we would have picked that weren't nominated for an Oscar, but we think should have won. And uh, this year, of course, we're doing um, the categories Oscar Forgot Week. It's an island of Oscars forgotten. With the Dino- island of misfit categories. The island of misfit <laughs> categories. Yeah, exactly. So I just want to ask you, um, because each of us will pick a film in one of these categories uh, that was honored in the past, that is our pick for 430 movie. But I'd like to know what your feelings were when you heard from the, the Academy was going to be eliminating these categories for the live broadcast, Steve. Well, I think like all of us, I was 
appalled. It didn't surprise me because there have been rumblings about wanting to eliminate the uh, the craftspeople from the show for years to just focus on the actors and the pretty people. Um, and I, I, I found it hugely uh, disrespectful. And quite honestly, this will be the first year I have not watched the Oscars since 1978, the first year I watched it when Star Wars was nominated in 78. I, I've watched it every single year. And most of those years, since about 91 or 92, I would throw a party and have a bunch of friends over and we'd you know, bet on the winners and have themed food. It was a whole thing. And I looked forward to that every year. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I, I was so depressed by this boneheaded maneuver that I'm not even going to watch it this year. Yes. Uh, Darren, do you feel the same way? I felt the same way. And much like Steve, it was not a surprise at all. Because for years, we've been waiting for the other shoe to drop, uh, for them to find a way to, you know, get rid of the, uh, basically, the uh, uglier kids uh, from the show. And, the nerds. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nerds. Uh, that's totally the what it is. The band geeks. The art geeks. If you're, if the you're, electronics you know, geeks. If you're not the cheerleaders and the uh, football uh, uh, quarterbacks, then uh, you're not in the show. Well, so, you know, it's, it's it, of course, it's a very simplified uh, analogy, but it's actually like that. Ashley, is it amazing to you that, you know, they dropped original score, but of course, best song will be on the broadcast? Well, they could have a celebrity singer on stage. I, I, I always found that part dull, personally, but, you know, it's, it's supposed to be a variety. It's kind of a, ostensibly a variety show. So, a, a, you know, a musical interlude is cool. But I, I just feel like this is, I, I don't know what they're trying to do with this maneuver. Uh, they claim they're trying to boost ratings, but the people they're trying to get to watch the show aren't going to watch it anyway. And the people that do want to watch the show like us are being alienated by, you know, by this, like they should lean in, they should steer into it. And like Darren suggested, you know, go deeper into the contributions of these crafts. The funny thing is it's, it's very much parallel to what is happening with a lot of our favorite uh, genre shows uh, and how they have, uh, change the content of these to try and get a different audience. And I'm not going to mention anything specifically, but they change these shows so much that uh, it becomes unwatchable to the people that are the fans of it. So yeah, it, I think it's it's very it's very consistent with that outlook, and it's very disturbing to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I can only tell you that growing up, the Oscars were always very very important to me. And, you know, as a kid, I learned a lot about movies from watching the Oscars. I learned about these great movie stars who would, you know, often, you know, would attend uh, where it truly was more stars than there were in heaven to steal the MGM phrase. Um, there were these wonderful Chuck Workman uh, uh, movie montages that made homage to, you know, 50 or 60 or 70 years of cinema that preceded it. So it exposed you to all these films you've never seen. This is in the pre-video tape or certainly DVD era. So you were you know, seeing all these films you never heard of or maybe these legendary films you were seeing a glimpse of. And, um, and they would have these great things that would explain what the categories were and what these people did. And, you know, what people forget is some of the best speeches were made by some of these 
in some of these categories. You know, everybody talks about, oh, you know, David Niven was presenting and the streaker went by or, you know, these famous occasionally, you know, uh, a sashing little feather accepting for Marlon Brando. But some of the great speeches, acceptance speeches, you know, because were were made by people in the um, in these, quote unquote, below the line categories and their importance to filmmaking. They are as important as the writers, directors, um, you know, editors to be to be treated as second class citizens is is hard to fathom, given how many editors have saved a movie, uh, you know, and 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 basically made careers for some directors and some writers. Um, you and know, actors, editors shape yeah. an actor's performance. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, production design. Uh, I, you know, could you imagine, you know, Barry Lyndon not having, uh, you know, it's like, you know, oh, well, let's just put up a couple of, you know, flats right here. Um, <laughs> you know, original score. What would Star Wars be like without the score? Well, we see the work print. Not very good, you know. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, obviously makeup and hairstyling is so important. Um, and, uh, you know, and sound, I mean, it's people who all of us have been on the mix stage for various movies and TV shows that we worked on. And, uh, you know, Darren, you were just recently there, uh, on uh, your project and how important is sound in terms of, uh, the essential element of making a movie. It's at least 50%. It's so vital. It's so vital. And, you know, you, you, you know, you don't notice sound when it's good, but you sure notice it when it's bad. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was my my uh, sort of my emphasis in film school uh, is writing and sound. And I loved being on the set and running the nagra and and figuring out where to place the microphone to get the best recording of the dialogue, and then cleaning up that dialogue in post and and building the layers of uh, soundtrack, your ambient sound, your room tones, your you know your sound effects, your foley, your ADR. Well, the other thing is specifically on the sound category is they have combined the two right. uh, distinct categories of mm-hmm. sound work mm-hmm. uh, that are completely different. And mm-hmm. just because the people in the academy have no idea what those differences are, uh, they decided to combine it into sound. Well, now, mm-hmm. one category used to be sound, uh, sound mixing, which is mm-hmm. actually the recording of the sound on set, right? Recording the dialogue. Um, and the second one, which was is, which is, a, which is, which is a tremendous art form because you have to be aware Absolutely. of so many different things. Um, and I was going to go into those things, but I don't want to bore yeah. people. No, but that, but that's the difference between a professional and an amateur shoot yeah. is the quality of the sound mixing and recording. And it's yeah. so frustrating so, when you don't have good production sound and, yeah. and, you, and you have to go an ADR loop. You know, so many of these performances, it's bad for the actor, it's bad for the director, it's, it's, it's yeah. bad for everyone. And, um, you know, sound is so important and sound mixing and, and uh, obviously um, sound design and, uh, um, you know, you know uh, just and, and sound effects. I mean, look at these legends like, uh, you know, Ben Burt. Um, and what I just, uh, it's, it's just, it's, a, a, and how they can create an immersive atmosphere and never has sound been more important than in the last 40 years since the emergence of Dolby surround and Atmos and yeah. you know, sound has become such an essential part. I mean, you know, even with the, you can go back to the jazz singer and say it was important. Of course it was, but you know, sound has become this immersive experience. That's as important as what you're seeing on the screen. Yeah. Um, so all these, these factors, I have to say, 
I'm really disappointed by the Academy, not only for this decision. And, you know, now there's stories that, okay, this was forced on them by ABC. Well, you know what? Um, what's more important, honoring uh, uh, motion pictures, which is your, um, your, your, your job, or, or keeping the network happy? I'm sure there are plenty of other places who would be happy to air the Oscars. Maybe they won't pay you as much. But, uh, you know, to, to be, if, if it is indeed true or if this is just an excuse, it's appalling. And, and I'll tell you, they're making a lot of bad decisions. I, I don't know if you've been to the Academy Museum, but one of the huge oversights in the Academy Museum where um, is anything about the founding of Hollywood, you know, primarily by the Jewish moguls, which yeah. was completely ignored. And, and you, you can't find, you know, any of the moguls uh, in, in this uh, Guide to Hollywood because they're so concerned about presenting, you know, showing a Hollywood, which didn't exist yeah. at the time. Um, I mean, I went to a wonderful screen at Casablanca there recently. And when they introduced the film, they, 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 they stopped to, to acknowledge the Native American um, land on which the Academy Museum was <laughs> built. Now, I have to tell you, I, I think you know, we're, we're all, for the most part, most of us are good liberals here um, and uh, very, you know, certainly, um, you know, understand the plight of the Native American. But this was such a ridiculous moment. This is why people hate this shit. Um, yeah. And and I mean, I, I said, should we acknowledge Bullock's as well? The department store that once was here. I, I, I And it was so um, ridiculous. And, um, uh, you know, you know, it's it's like they're trying to prove these uh, bona fides and it's not necessarily walk the walk. Don't talk the talk. Yeah. And all they know, all they know how to do is talk. That's it. I I mean, I I am sympathetic and I understand the desire for inclusivity and, and representation. And because so often, you know, marginalized groups have been overlooked or ignored in film history. And I think it's perfectly fine to celebrate that. Absolutely. Um, but not at the expense of the foundational history of this industry. And, you know, they had a press release come out today, I think, where they, um, oh no, my phone is ringing, where they uh, it's the acknowledged. Uh, it's the Academy. <laughs> it's the, oh no, I'm being canceled. Okay. Uh, where uh, they're, they're. Oh, they, I'll say this for them. They're persistent. Where, where they are going to uh, have their new permanent uh, exhibition called Hollywood Land that will be about the the Jewish founders and the immigrant story coming in spring 2023. <laughs> well, because so many of the donors were irate and it was yeah. getting so much press. I mean, how you cover the history of Hollywood, which was built by immigrants, primarily Jewish immigrants, but immigrants and ignore that. Yeah. is absurd and 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 it's just it's so offensive and and to just rewrite the history of hollywood this is not a script it, it you know this is this is fact and you know the further we get you know uh the, you know, from the beginning of the industry the less people know you know i mean how can you not cover that how can you not cover uac how can you not cover you know so many of these essential elements of of the business of the last hundred years. Well, I'd I'd even like them to go into some of the not pleasant things that uh, that they that founded Hollywood. I mean, the fact that the only reason why any uh, movie industry was set up here was to avoid copyright by the Edison Company. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) You know, it's just it's just I want to know the whole story. 
Yeah. No, you know, I, and, absolutely. And, uh, and we're not getting any of it. You know, it's, it, and that that is really the the problem. You know, we can't change history to make it more palatable or less triggering. Tell the story, you know, and then we can judge. You know, but if but, you but, know the true story, you can learn about it and learn not to make the same mistakes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It can be a cautionary story. The truth yeah. will set you free. And I'm not talking about having Dick Xanax casting couch. Uh, you know, but, you know, it's just it's just, it, you know, it's so important to understand the history of Hollywood because, you know, we've all been in these meetings and more and more the younger executives don't know anything about, you know, movies before, you know, 1996. Yeah. Um, you know, you, 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 you know, you mentioned something like Jules and Jim or Notorious or, 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 or some of these or Billy Wilder, the part, they look at you like you're from Mars. So anyway, um, well, and I, I gotta say, I'm also profoundly disappointed in, um, the, the stars, the actors for not mm-hmm. taking a real stand on this. They could, they could have changed this overnight if they just on Moss said, we will not attend the ceremony yep. if you don't honor those categories in the live broadcast, like as see, usual. They don't care. No, yeah. I mean, Jessica Chastain said, well, I won't walk the red carpet. But She said she wouldn't walk it while the makeup and hair award was being presented. She didn't mention the other ones. Oh, like, okay. Seriously? Un- unbelievable. The whole but thing. If, is- if they just, if Will Smith just said, you know what? I, I owe my career you know, in part to these craftspeople, and this is hugely disrespectful. So I will not attend your show and I will not promote it. And the other actors say, Yeah, I will not present on the show. I won't be there in the auditorium. I won't walk the red carpet. They would they would change, believe Abs- me. Absolutely. Uh, you're in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. So okay. Well, look, we're gonna talk about um our uh, our categories Oscar Forgot Week. And as always, we're going to start with Monday, and I'll be very curious to see what category you've chosen to honor here at our own Oscar week. <laughs> well, I don't think it will ultimately come as a surprise, although my particular pick, uh, it is a film that I have picked before on the show. Uh, it is a favorite film of mine, and um, it actually demonstrates the importance of several of these categories, although it was only nominated uh, for one of them and it did not win. Uh, I'm My pick for Monday is Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation. Mm. Tell you something about Harry Call. The best bar none. I'll drink to that. The best what? The best bugger on the West Coast. Look, did you see him? The man with the hearing aid. He's following us all around. Three people were murdered. Uh, had nothing to do with me. I mean, I just turned in the tapes. Bless me, Father, for I've sinned. I've been involved in some work that I think. They could be used to stand in hurt it. these two young people. No way responsible. I, I'm not responsible. How'd you get this phone number? We prepare a full dossier on everyone. It's <laughs> terrific. <laughs> the bugger got fucked, huh? Do I have a secret saying? I know you do. 
telling me about yourself, your secrets. I don't have any secrets. Don't get involved in this, Mr. Cole. Those tapes are dangerous. Come on, Harry. Show and tell. How are you doing? Why are you asking me these questions? And my category is sound because this is a film that is all about sound is an, you know, is an integral part of the plot and the story to this. And the film literally could not exist without the brilliant sound design of Walter Murch, who also served as the supervising editor on the film. And uh, I, I, this last week while uh, preparing for the show, I, I watched the Blu-ray disc with, and I can't encourage people enough to 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 listen to the audio commentary track by Walter Birch on that disc. It's really interesting, and uh, he he talks about how you know um, it, it's astonishing how some, sometimes in big films like this, how much stuff isn't worked out at the script stage and mm-hmm. is found in the editing room. And and Merch goes into a couple of very key structural things in the film uh that were found in editing and one of the greatest i'm i'm gonna go ahead and spoil the movie it's almost 50 years old but um there's a there's a key line of dialogue in the film that uh you you don't hear it at first it's buried in the ambient sound and as merch was cutting the film he restructured it so that line of dialogue is uncovered by gene hackman who plays the audio surveillance expert uh, he uncovers it in a later scene and realizes that these people that he's spying on, he, he thinks they're in danger. And as a result of a terrible experience he had had back in New York City, uh, where people were killed as a result of his work, he he wants to try to protect them and save them. And at the end of the film, he listens to the conversation again, and that same line of dialogue comes up, but the inflection is different on it. And that was not scripted. That was something that Merch decided he, the audiences weren't quite getting the end of the film. And he remembered that when he was recording sound on the set, he took uh, Cindy Williams and Frederick Forrest to uh, another quieter park and recorded the conversation separately there uh, so he could get a cleaner recording of it. And one of the takes, he said that one line with that different inflection and he marked it as unusable, but he remembered that inflection and dropped it in for Coppola to hear. And Coppola thought about it and said, oh my God, that's great. It's the key moment in the film. It's absolutely brilliant. I love it. Um, And uh, it's all, that's all sound baby. And, and, and also, you know, we talked about your original score there's a beautiful solo piano score David by David Shire, David Shire, uh, that he recorded uh, before the film was shot, so they could play it mm. on the set, so that Hackman could could uh, sort of get into the vibe uh, right. of the music. And you know, this is a, a a composition that you know for Harry Call, Gene Hackman's character, who is this loner, the soloist, and so he gets a solo piano. You also have, you know, the brilliant editing, which I talked about, and you've got the um, the production design by Dean Tavaliris, and he designed 
this very sparse environment for Gene Hackman to live in. His apartment, Walter Murch says, looks like a motel. It has, it's almost devoid of personality, uh, much like Harry Call in the film. And so all these, all these crafts and these arts work together to paint this picture uh, and, and flesh out this movie and make it the brilliant movie it was. It was the movie was nominated for three Oscars. It was nominated for Best Picture, Lost to Godfather Part Two. It was nominated for uh, Original Screenplay, Lost to Chinatown. And it was nominated for Sound and Lost to Earthquake. So I guess the sense around uh, yeah. presentation. It shook it, things up. Yeah, it shook things up. It's like so many of these categories, it's not necessarily, you know, best editing, it's most editing. <laughs> so right. this is like most sound one, maybe instead of best sound. Yeah. So anyway, my pick is a conversation. I, I think it's a brilliant movie. If you haven't seen it, I can't recommend it enough. And it's funny because you extol the importance of editing. And for the three of us on this uh, panel that are writers, it, it's particularly important because, of course, editing is considered the final rewrite, the last rewrite. And it, it, that is not an overstatement. How many times in the cutting room have you completely changed uh, the, the the structure of a story or an episode or a movie, um, you know, in editing? And okay. uh, I mean, I I have made changes right up until we are done with actors in ADR. Yep, mm-hmm. and not just like you know little things like you know, maybe a sigh instead of a grunt. I'm talking about like lines that change the meaning of what it is yep. that we're watching. You know, you're not done until somebody tells you that you're out of money um, or that, you know, everything is locked and you can go home. No, that's when you throw away the script at that point because yep. anything goes. Um, anything okay. goes. <laughs> Don't start. The director on the show I'm on now says, nothing is locked until it's aired three times. <laughs> <laughs> that's hysterical. Okay, well, that brings us to Tuesday. And uh, Mr. Darren Dodgerman, I'll, I'll be interested to see what category you would think he, he would go production design, but we don't know. We'll find out in just a minute. <laughs> well, that, that was our commercial break, and now we're back. <laughs> <laughs> There's one well, other possibility. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not going to production design. Uh, I get, can I guess? Can I guess? If you want. Okay, I'm going to guess. I know what he's going to do. But I'm not going to write it down. I don't think you're going to guess. Oh, really? This field is too wide open. I I have no idea. Okay. I can't wait to find out. Let's see if we can draw this out even more and increase the suspense. Well, yeah, it's just like the real Oscars. This is going to be a three hour show, you guys. (laughs) Right. And we'll love it. It's going to be more entertaining. Tuesday will be revealed on a pre recorded section. (laughs) Now I'm wishing I had a timpani drum nearby so I could go. Oh, Steve, don't lie. You do have a timpani next to you. <laughs> right next to the, the zither and the dog face boy. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, I am actually, because I was going to be a film editor. I had every intention to be an editor. Um, and it was one of my favorite subjects that I, uh, that I studied when I was at USC film school in the mid 80s. And uh, one of my teachers there, for specifically film editing was a man named Thomas Stanford. And uh, Thomas Stanford won the Academy Award in 1962 for 1961's West Side Story, directed by Jerry Robbins and Robert Wise. All right now, come on. Shoot it, man, shoot it. 
the streets. Go play in the park. Keep off of the grass. Get out of the house. Keep off the block. Get out of here. Keep off the wall. Unlike other classics, West Side Story grows younger. So I have sort of a uh, double connection to this film. And uh, I think that the, uh, the Academy Award was absolutely correct because it's a stunning example of editing not only the musical numbers, uh, to make all the action flow and seem seamless, you know, to basically make it invisible so that the audience ha doesn't have any idea that this is all disparate pieces of film put together. Uh, but also the uh, masterful transitions between uh, the various sections of the film. And uh, that's, you know, all the editor's uh, purview. And the fact that... Uh, Bob Wise, who started out as a as an editor back at RKO in the uh, 30s, um, it, you know, trusted Thomas Stanford, who was relatively new to the game at that point. Uh, he had done some television editing uh, on uh, various shows, but uh, uh, Stanford uh, was trusted with uh, not only putting together the uh, the first uh, cut but uh, also in refining the cut along with uh, Robert Wise through the end of post-production. Um, the uh, part of the magic of this film is that it is not only fascinating to look at, but it carries you along even through, uh, you know, some people don't really like musical numbers, but it doesn't matter because it carries you along. And it's uh, one of the, uh, one of the greatest musicals ever filmed. And, uh, you know, uh, nothing against uh, Spielberg's uh, remake that uh, is nominated this year. Um, but uh, I don't think that Spielberg actually, you know, made any new headway on the subject. Uh, I think that uh, most of the uh, groundbreaking happened in that original 1961 version. So that's why I'm going with uh, Thomas Stanford for film editing on West Side Story from 1961. Wow, I got that one wrong. <laughs> what did you pick? <laughs> I was Robert Wise adjacent. I tried uh -huh. to, to, I thought you were going to redress one of the great miscarriages of justice in Oscar history when um, uh, uh, George LaRue's A Little Romance won best score over Jerry Goldsmith's yep. Star Trek The Motion Picture. <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, think, I think history has, uh, has made its choice. And uh, I know that lots of people are really buying. Uh, a lot of uh, George Taylor's uh, score these days. So <laughs> I'm waiting for the three uh, you know, CD edition from La La Land of A Little Romance. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, Ex A Little Romance. Extremely had, little. You know, the, the problem, unfortunately, is, is the, the again, this is a big problem with the Academy Awards that you, you talked about with sound, how a lot of the, the, the membership doesn't understand the nuance of sound. Mm. Um, it's the same thing with scores. There was a yeah. time in the 90s where every Disney animated series, animated movie, would win best score. 
which isn't to take away from Howard Ashman and Alan Menken. Alan Menken did some great scores for Aladdin. Right. And but it's but because they had the songs in it. They, they thought that, oh, well, I, geez, I like that well, the, that thing about the lion singing the Hakuna Matata. Yeah. It made me feel good. So I'm going to vote for the score. Or, you know, you know Aladdin. Or, but all this stuff, it was and, 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 and it wasn't honoring scores. And many great scores uh, were overlooked because of the, the um, because of the songs, because people yeah. just like it had a lot of good songs, love the songs. So, um, you know, just uh, eight or 10 hits that we can put in, you know, you know, American graffiti, be best, best score. No, I didn't win best score, but it's no. like it is such a mid fundamental misunderstanding about what makes a great film score. And so yeah. many great film scores were overlooked. Raiders did not the audience win. and for the. That goes to the audience and it goes for the, um, and we really should avoid just kind of randomly, you know, throwing out the names of movies before we get through all the picks. But when you're <laughs> talking about things like sound um, or like a lot of the technical words, people don't know what they're looking at at all. To the point, like, here's an example. So a show that I worked on, Black Sales, which is a great show, got nominated every year for visual effects. Never won. It always lost to Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones had big ass dragons, right? Yeah. You know what, what Black Sails had? It had ships on the water, right? Now, here's the problem. <laughs> fire in the sky. Yeah, ships in the water, <laughs> fire in the sky. Uh, Black Sails was a landlocked show. Yeah. There wasn't no a water. drop of water in sight. <laughs> and you completely believed it. It was a stunning feat in visual effects. Never got recognized. And but it's just it's the kind of thing that happens, you know, in, in features all the time. Well, I, I, my, my other pick, I, well, maybe I'll save it till Friday. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I, 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 I do want to, we're done with the goddamn yeah, I, But I, I do want to say, because I, I feel really strongly about this whole music thing. I mean, you know, The Empire Strikes Back. Good Lord. Lost. Mark. What? <laughs> what is Ma wrong with you? We're not done making picks yet. Uh, oh, okay. I want to guess what Ashley thinking. Well, no, no, I'm going to have to change it. No, no, on no, the no. Fly. We're moving on. We're moving on. I, I just want to. I just want to say I have never seen the 1961 West Side Story. I intend to correct that. Um, but I, I did uh, this last week. I watched Darren's pick from last week from Batman Week. I watched Batman and Bill, uh, yeah. which is a lovely, indeed, a lovely documentary. I still want to see that. I think it's on Hulu. You gave it the finger. <laughs> we give this movie the finger. <laughs> One finger up. So the rule uh, is always watch what Darren picks. Uh, <laughs> absolutely, that's what this. Somebody one of the, one of our one of our well. listeners on Twitter is always saying, "I always go with what Darren recommends because oh, I know I'm going to enjoy sweet. it." Even the one about the leprechauns. <laughs> what, 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 what did you was, pick Leprechaun? What was the one you picked? Darby was, Gillis and the Little People? I was, there was Darby one. Gillis? No, it wasn't that. Well, you picked one about... Um, Lep in the Hood? No, it was... The, it the was Boy the, with Green Hair? I don't know. Oh. Anyway, maybe wasn't Leprechaun. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't Leprechaun. Yeah, I've never picked too. I've never picked a Leprechaun movie. Okay. I never will. <laughs> maybe, a lucky, maybe a Lucky Charms commercial. Okay. So, Ashley, that brings us to you on Wednesday. Wednesday. Well, you know, um, you know, I, well, here's the, here's the good news. The good news is that my, my, my good beloved friend, uh, Mark Goldman, um, may or may not have accidentally Stepped on my 
my Wednesday pick, but that's that, <laughs> that's okay because it's because too straight down the middle. It's not it, weird it, enough for you. It it is a little straight down the middle. Um, it is kind of not quite weird enough for me. Um, there is, however, there is another, <laughs> and oddly enough, and it is straight down the middle. Um, although it, it well. I'll, First of all, I'm going to start with the whole Empire Strikes Back thing, because I agree with you. I have to say this. And I think this is what you were going to say that, yeah, because everybody is walking around thinking about Michael Gore's uh, score for fame rather than, you know, uh, John Williams score for the Empire Strikes because Back. Because Irene Cara's song, song was yeah. a huge hit. Yeah. Exactly. And it's going to live forever. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm going to learn how to fly. Hi. Uh, <laughs> and it, 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 it's a great, it's a great song. In fact, that the following year in Alan, there's a bunch Parker, of great songs, and yeah, 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 it was yeah. the following year that I, that's my second choice. There uh, you go. No, I was just gonna say that in the following year in Alan Parker's "Shoot the Moon" is follow up to um, Fame. He has the kids singing his song from Fame in the car with their parents. So he's doing the cover of his own Albert song. Finney. It's really funny just when you, you think about how meta it is. But yeah, you can, I, you can go to any John Williams concert. If in the last 42 years and hear, and hear fame. the fame score? and here they'll play <laughs> the Imperial March and 10,000 people will wave lightsabers to it. That's worth at least oh. an Oscar. Yeah. You know, it's, it's worth something. You know, Raiders so, lost also. God damn it. Yes. This oh. was my dick. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Mark? <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to stop yes. talking. Go ahead, Ashley. So, <laughs> Wednesday is basically like being invaded by Thursday over and over again. It's, <laughs> Thursday is like the, the Putin of picks. Um, <laughs> that would be so, funny if it wasn't so sad. It would be. Um, you know, Nazis, Superman lost to Midnight Express. My pick, because we, we haven't beaten it into the ground. And, and and it's and it's more than just my uh, righteous outrage at the at the loss. It's about what I think a great score should do. So to me, um, look, there's a lot of different ways to handle score, but to me, the most memorable scores tell the story without telling us how to feel. Um, you know, they they function as a part of the storytelling. They understand whose character. Uh, they are addressing, that they are explicating in the same way um, that the performance does so, in the same way that the production design brings out theme and intention. Um, it's not just like whether it's catchy uh, or whether it's like It gives you subtext. It. Exactly. It's, it's how it expresses the identity of the film and how you know, it, it helps us to engage emotionally without telling us what that is. And it gives it an identity. And to me, one of the great scores of all time uh, was John Williams' 1981 score for Raiders of the Lost Ark. is back, pursued by Belloc. 
befriended by Sulla, threatened by Toth, and loved by Marion. Some of them are heroes. Some of them are enemies. And all of them are returning. They are all Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's the greatest adventure film of all time. Jones! I'm gonna blow up the ark, And it will always be fun. Trust me. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because it, it, it managed to capture, in the same way that the film captured, um, you know, the, the old cliffhanger serial uh, mentality that, that, that George Lucas and Steven Spielberg set out to capture, the, the score captures that fun, that sense of adventure, um, that it veers toward that sense of being a pulp movie, a, a disposable experience, and then elevates it. It's impossible to hear a track from that score without thinking of the scene that goes with it. It is such a specifically designed piece of music. Now, look, I think, you know, we we all probably have some soft spot in our some some soft spot in our heart <laughs> for Vangelis. Uh, but not necessarily for the chariots of fire score, right? It's Chariots of Fire is, is fine. We all remember it. Great. Constantly. Well, it was, again, it was a top was, 40 song. It was a, released yeah, as a right. top 40 single. That's exactly. absolutely right. That is absolutely correct. So and if Adventure had a name, paper. if Adventure <laughs> had a score, it would be Indiana Jones. But, you know, I don't think that, you know, running has a score. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> what? That's it's what you hear whenever you go running. Da, 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 Especially da. when you run in glorious yeah. slow motion. No, no, no. I, 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 <laughs> the score for running is the Six Million Dollar Man soundtrack. Right. Da, Not da, Van Gelis's Chariots da, of Fire. Da, da, da. Which now, sounds like, a lot like Van Gelis's Chariots like, of Fire. I, yes. I mean, it. I worked with Ben Cross. I, I love Ben Cross. I think Chariots of Fire is an important film. But it is one... You know, look, uh, it's, it's, it doesn't hold a candle to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Look not on all. any level, by the way. I mean, even not just like the score, but frankly, on any level. I mean, again, I don't want to like take away from Chariots of Fire and kind of the accomplishment of that film. But Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of the greatest films ever made. That to score fair, is one of the greatest I scores ever recorded. And we still think about it to this day. I, I, you know, I, I watched the Oscars that year and was absolutely appalled when Chariots of Fire won. I, I had actually seen the movie in the theater and was a little underwhelmed by it. And I, I watched it again just like two weeks ago for the first time in 41 years. And uh, it's a perfectly fine movie. Mm -hmm. It's 100%. solid. It's it's a good movie. And the Vangelis score is it's a it's it's a great score, but it ain't Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. And yeah. if I can plug another podcast, David W. Collins, the soundtrack mm, show, great wonderful show. podcast. And he does four parts on the Raiders Lost Ark soundtrack. And he talks about how the main theme tells the story of Indiana Jones, where he's mm. on an adventure. Da, 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 and he gets knocked back on his heels. Da, da, da. 
Then he pushes through and keeps going da, 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 to higher heights. Da, 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 gets pushed back. Da, 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 and he loses it and find it and lose it and find it. I mean, it, the, the melody itself tells yeah. the story of that movie. And how many times when you were on a plane do you play the map? You know, when you're on a, we get on a plane and you're looking around for tote behind you, you know, so you're wondering why the world doesn't transform into a map underneath your feet. And I, I think sir, kind of like, if you, if you look around a plane and can't find tote, you're tote. I think, I think that, you know, you got to say, this is not bet the Oscar for best main title, right? A lot of movies have great main title. Raiders has the Raiders March. It has well souls. It has desert chase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which may be one of the greatest cues ever. It truck? has what truck? Miracle of the Ark. Yeah. I mean, it just, I mean, it's it just like, it's and one that I, I, and then the airplane fight, which wasn't on the original uh, LP release that I was right. so excited when it finally right. came out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, it's all no, gold. It's, it's great. It's yeah. great. It's, it's, uh, it's just borderline perfect. And to this day, it still story. sends chills down my spine. Oh, certain, it, yeah. certain when, you know, when that theme resolves in the map room, it's absolutely thrilling. Okay. Now, don't weep for John Williams in the sense that it's not like he went to the Super Bowl nine times and no. never came home yeah. with the ring. It's like he, he clearly like brought home some statues. But the fact that like that score in particular is so didn't get the recognition it deserves. But of course, the reason Star Wars won was because of Miko's disco version. <laughs> You're not wrong. And, and I will say, because if you look at his other classic, like, legendary scores superman lost to midnight express very similar to raiders losing to charlotte chariots of fire because midnight express had that giorgio Moroder that cue that everyone knew but superman the whole score is magnificent it's not one it's not just the one theme right and it's the same thing with Patton. jerry goldsmith loses to francis Mm -hmm. lie for love story which had also had a top 40 song Everybody ran. Whereas Patton <laughs> actually to told you about the character through the music, the whole idea of resurrection. To, we have to remember who is voting on these things. People who are oh, mostly actors. actors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and actors have a very specific point of view. Yeah. And uh, most of them have no comprehension of what else goes into making a movie. Now, this is not denigrating those that do. Um, but uh, to it's be to honest, say that their vote is outsized. It's uh, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And, okay. uh, you know, honestly, I think that the if the Academy wants to do something uh, drastically uh, to change the outcome of their awards show, they should leave it that the sections themselves vote for the winners. One hundred percent. Not the overall uh, uh, yeah. membership. Yes. Yeah. Best Fully picture. endorsed. Best yeah. picture. Only. Just best picture. Yep. Yeah. And by the way, there's a whole nother conversation to be had, which I'm not, I don't want to get into right now. You know, a lot of people are upset that uh, Spider-Man wasn't nominated for Best Picture. No, I love the Spider-Man movie as much as the next person. I don't believe a movie like that should be nominated for Best Picture. I don't think it's the Best Picture. It's a great, wildly entertaining film. It's not yeah. the Best Picture. Well, I mean, honestly, I look at the list of nominees this year, and I think for the most part, I have exactly that reaction. Yeah, kind of um, uninspiring. You know, it's like, sure, a lot of movies that like, oh, that was nice and that was good and that was emotional and that was whatever. But that's not what a goddamn best picture is supposed to be. A pandemic year. This was such a weak year. Such a weak year. Terrible. And as was last year. Yep. You know, um, no one's going to look back at these films and be like, what a great year for movies. And they it's a wonder. Just had a reboot year. 
<laughs> and just included any movies that have ever been released. And I hope this isn't going to continue to be the case as we see, you know, all the, the major talent migrating to TV and the, the really memorable stuff happening on television. Is You know, if this is going to be a permanent state or if it just happens it to be because of the pandemic. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, OK, well, but that brings us to Thursday. And it's really interesting. <laughs> because um, Steve. Let's guess what Mark's going to do. <laughs> because because Steve did sound. Uh, uh, Darren. Did. Editing. Um, editing and then you did score you did score so um i i await your choice for best makeup well no <laughs> I, I think i i think this is going to affect the elephant man what i was going to do because i was going to go with editing but i don't want to wait too much on the editing so i'm not going to go <laughs> uh with uh thelma schumacher for goodfellas which was my right. my first choice uh, I, and my and my second choice was going to be Sam Osteen for Chinatown, which lost to the Towering Inferno. China and I, Steve's probably like, yeah, I love the Towering Inferno. <laughs> 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 but, oh, but but yeah, so I mean that that was that was crazy. And in 1987, Broadcast News, edited by Richard Marks, lost as well. But I'm going to go with production design because okay. we haven't done that category, and I think it's so important to acknowledge production design. And it was a, a particularly in this case. Well, there there are actually two. There are two egregious oversights in this category. And I'm 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 really I, you guys can help me make the decision. In 1968, which we know is the, an amazing year, from Rosemary's Baby to Planet of the Apes to the legendary Stanley Kubrick classic 2001, the winner was Oliver. <laughs> The musical version of Oliver no. Twist. Actors. It was a freaking stage show. Yeah. yeah. So with singing and acting. Actors love that show. Of course, <laughs> we all know the winner should have been the visionary 2001 of Space Odyssey. And history kind of repeated itself in 1982. Yep. When Gandhi, <laughs> Gandhi triumphed over Lawrence Paul and David Snyder's brilliant Blade Runner. Yeah. So the, you know, either one of those, I would I would pick in a heartbeat. So um, I don't know, two thousand one or Blade Runner. Well, I don't. You know, it's harder to say what's the bigger crime. It's harder to say. I, I actually think the bigger crime may be two thousand one over Oliver. Yeah, I, I right. think so too. Um, I, you know, I, I think I'm going to go with. I, I think I'm going to well, go. Two thousand one is also, I think, a better movie overall than Blade Runner is a good movie. But it's so reliant on production. Just you know, production design is kind of its thing. Yeah, you know, the visual effects in it. Okay, I'm. Thank you. That was very helpful, actually, guys. <laughs> I, my pick for Thursday, and I cue the the music. Um, oh. is Stanley oh. Kubrick's 2001. Oh. Welcome to voice print identification. When you see the red light go on, would you please state in the following order? Your destination, your nationality, and your full name. Moon, American, Floyd, Haywood R. Thank you. You are cleared through voice print identification. I do. Quite frankly, we have had some very reliable intelligence reports that quite a serious epidemic has broken out into claims. No, there have been some conflicting views held by some of you regarding the need for complete security. Something apparently of an unknown. However, I accept the need for absolute secrecy in this. This is in fact what has happened. I'm really not at liberty to discuss this. 
We thought it might be the upper part of some buried structure, so we excavated out on all sides, but unfortunately we didn't find anything else. It hasn't been covered up by natural erosion or other forces. It seems to have been deliberately buried. Four million-year-old black monolith has remained completely inert, except for a single, very powerful radio emission. Three weeks ago, the American spacecraft Discovery One left on its half-billion-mile voyage to Jupiter. The sixth member of the Discovery crew was the HAL 9000 computer. Everything is going extremely well. One gets the sense that he is capable of emotional responses. Well, hell, I'm dead about my No 9000 computer has ever made a mistake or distorted information. But Dave, I can't put my finger on it, but I sense something strange about it. Just a moment. Just a moment. Do you know what happened? I'm sorry, Dave. I don't have enough information. Made radio contact with him yet. The radio is still dead. Hello, Hal. Do you read me? Hello, Hal. Do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Do you read me, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. You know, when that song was written, it was also trying to capture the um, the, the the characters' plight. Hal is crazy. He's also he's you nuts. Know, how many other? Nuts. How many? Well, this would be true of Blade Runner as well. But how many other science fiction movies did two thousand one go on to be the template, set the, right. the standard for? Oh yeah, it was it was an imitated. You know, I don't think people were trying to imitate Oliver for. You know, or Gandhi for that matter. But 2001 and Blade Runner, these were legendary movies, dare I say, because I hate the overuse and incorrect use of the word iconic, but these are iconic movies. We'll call them well, seminal. 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 That is correct. Yeah. Steve, that's a better description. Seminal. You know movies. what, Mark? Consider yourself inseminated. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so that that's my pick for Thursday. 2001, a space odyssey. Um you know, and uh, I know there's a lot to, to unpack here because even in 1970, Let It Be beat a boy named Charlie Brown for best song, but um, which it deserved to. <laughs> but um, we have a bunch of categories and uh, including film editing, makeup, hairstyling, original score, production design, best sound, um, which uh, we could pick from for Friday. So. So many, so many, so many major oversights and um, ways to honor these categories. It's, yeah. Anyone want to start us off? It's so broad. Yeah. That it's difficult for me to get my okay. arms around. Like, what's well, the. How about Carol Littleton for her editing on E.T. the Extraterrestrial? Mm. Mm-hmm. Did, did Gandhi win that category as well? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and of course went on to win Best Picture in 1982. Well, because Ben Kingsley played both. Played E.T. also. <laughs> great. Okay. He was great as E.T. He was. Yeah. They had to cut off his legs. <laughs> maybe we should <laughs> may, may, maybe since I, I unfortunately accidentally torpedoed Ashley's choice for composer, uh uh John Williams Empire Strikes Back score, which lost to fame. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that does feel which like is I, great. Which is ironic because John Williams is the one who'll live forever, not fame. That's right. Um, what else? Like uh, maybe it's like, what do we think is the uh, the greatest injustice? Well, then you got Blade Runner losing to Gandhi. <laughs> Eh, I don't think that's the greatest injustice, though, because Gandhi is a is a great film. But well, well the other that, thing that's difficult is that even though the the um, obviously we talked about the actors, you know, kind of voting in some of these categories and creating some of the misfires. You know, when I went back and I looked at these lists, it is way harder to argue with the winners in these categories than it is to argue with things like Best Picture. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for the, the, most, the part. most part, it's a little bit closer. I mean, obviously, there are when we kind of hit some of them. What are some of the things that stand out as well? That's clearly wrong. Um, but I'll just, give you a, I'll just give you a little bit of perspective from the art directors. Um, is that usually when a uh, when a film is really well art directed, it's not really noticeable, mm-hmm. right? Much like you know other categories like sound and music. Um, but the thing is that. Um, because you get the flurry of uh, actors voting, uh, you get the, you know, the location movies win 90% of the time because they have, you know, wide expanses mm-hmm. and beautiful photography. They're confusing the photography with design, mm-hmm. and it's not. Um, so that, it, that's one of the main problems of having the, uh, the complete membership vote. And uh, it's always happened that, you know, uh, you know, when when a, a completely created from scratch designed movie is up against what we used to call a rent a castle movie, where you uh, where you you know shoot in a an existing uh, structure of some kind, uh, the rent a castle movie wins every time because mm-hmm. of course it looks great because it's real. So it's it's one of these things that is really frustrating to especially to you know designers who work on these films that you create from scratch. That it's it's very frustrating that that work is is not really regarded at all, yeah. and they, they have no conception of how much work goes into. That, that's a great point. That's a great point. Well, here's an idea for Friday. Maybe instead of trying to find a, a film that was uh, snubbed or overlooked in one of these categories that are is being stripped from the live presentation, what if we look at adding a category to the Academy Awards that Mm. should be in the Academy Awards. Mm. And there have been, over the years, there have been a couple of categories proposed, uh, including best casting, uh, best stunt coordination, Mm -hmm. and best title design. Best punch in the first. Those are all, I think those are all interesting categories. And I think they're all- feel like theme weeks. I I know those are categories (laughs) worthy of inclusion. You know, especially more than ever, um, uh, you know, stunts is uh, obviously such a big part of so many movies right now. And and if they want to honor, you know, more mainstream movies, honoring stunts would be, I think, an important thing. Main title design, interesting. I'm not sure enough have these really great design title sequences yeah. to warrant it. Um, Honestly, I think I think that the best casting is is my favorite. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Because, I agree because a well casted movie runs by itself you know right. any any director you hear says that most of their most difficult work is in casting the movie and that's and why uh, i think friday's pick should be silverado i i think that's it i think that's a great thing um but i also think that you know just a 
the series of, of movies that have been, you know, huge in the last uh, 20 years, uh, the Harry Potter movies. Oh, my God. Yeah. Were amazingly cast in Especially almost every role. casting children. Exactly. And, and that lasting through, you know, what, six movies. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I kind of I would go with best casting Harry Potter and the uh, Sorcerer's uh, Apprentice. I, I would go with best casting. I'm not sure I would go with Harry Potter. I All right. I, I like the Harry Potter. I I, I I like the casting in Harry Potter. I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan overall. I'm not even what you're saying. I, I just feel like, you know, when we're looking at the what width and breadth of cinema history that we probably could find something. I, I mean, to me, you want to do best casting. It's like. The Great Escape. That to me is great casting. Well, true, but it also, it also you know, all you had to do was go down the listings of you no. know the top, the top. No, because that's now in retrospect, James Coburn was not a huge star then. Donald Pleasance wasn't a huge star. Then. A lot of the actors at the time were not huge stars. It's only in okay. retrospect that they're huge stars. Well, in that case, allow me to submit a little movie that uh, starred Henry Thomas. Joe yeah. McCraney, William Forsyth. It's called Cloak and Dagger. Oh, my and, God. Uh, Wait, Gerald McCraney was in Cloak and Dagger? Did I just say that wrong? God help me. Dabney yeah, Coleman. Dabney Coleman. Dabney, Dabney Coleman. Thank you. What is with you? Why did you? I don't know. <laughs> Where's Ashley? What have you done with him? <laughs> oh, my gosh. They're hidden. Gerald McCraney. Gerald McCraney. What's wrong with me? Yes, Dabney Coleman. Although Gerald McCraney oh. would be awesome in that movie. Let me just tell you, you just cast Simon and nine to five. Well, what about <laughs> what about like casting for the right stuff? Oh, Dude. my God. Amazing. Oh, my God. That's great. Amazing. Yeah. On October 14th, 1947, Captain Charles Yeager shattered the sound barrier. Propelled man into the future. And the search began for a new breed of men. Men who were fearless. You've heard about our project. Sounds dangerous. It's very dangerous. Count me in. I got a rocket in my pocket and a roll in my wall. Ambitious. Who's the best pilot you ever saw? You're looking at it, baby. Patriotic beyond question. I just thank God I live in a country where the best and the finest in a man can be brought out. It's my pleasure to introduce to you America's Mercury Seven men who would risk their lives in a hurtling piece of machinery to cross the threshold of space. It takes a special kind of man to volunteer for a suicide mission, especially when it's on TV. Yeah, that's an amazing cast, honestly. I, I, w- I would like to go with that over the Harry Potter. I, I would totally go with that. Absolutely. Okay. Steve, yeah, you no look joke. Steve, you don't look uh, like you're sanguine on that. Oh, I know. I th- I love that movie. It's one of my favorites. Uh He's and just the trying to figure out why is, I said uh, McCraney. That's all. <laughs> it's a terrific cast. Uh and 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 just beautifully uh, a, a terrific ensemble they yeah. put together for that movie. Those actors tr- really embodied those historical And figures. it would also go with a new character called Best Biographical Foot Picture. Mm-hmm. Well, best biographical foot my picture. For for me, it was either that or uh, um, Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins in Fred Ward. But um, but I, 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 I and Joel Gray. 
and Joel Grey. But, <laughs> yes. but I, I think that would be great. And I, you know, I have to say, you, know, the his, you have to look. At the, Daryl McCraney. Um, <laughs> John McCraney. Oscars have evolved over time. People forget there was um, best black and white cinematography, black best color cinematography. That's correct. And as the business changed, so did the categories. They're not etched in amethyst or in stone or whatever you know then if the tablets come down from mount Ararat, they can change so we can add stuff like stunts or behold his <laughs> mighty hand the 15 <laughs> hey best, cast, best casting the yeah, 10 commandments oh i was thinking 10 commandments oh okay <laughs> where's your messiah now shay <laughs> the world part one is pretty good but but uh, look, yes. I, I think let's go with let's go with the right stuff. If we're all, I, I like that a lot. Yeah, uh, okay, too. that's great. I'm sure there's a lot of other awards that got screwed out of. So I, there, there were, and certainly got screwed out of box office. And you know, <laughs> speaking of screwing out of things, last week we talked about all these wonderful uh, filmmaking talents that we lost, and somehow we neglected to mention Alan Ladd Jr. Because we're right. assholes. Oh yeah. So. The right stuff was produced by the Lad Company. That's correct. So I, I would, I think also it has the extra uh, benefit of honoring Alan Ladd Jr., who I somehow agree. we completely neglected to mention, who might have been the greatest loss of all of these people we talked yeah. about last week. And I, I did not realize that the uh, theme music to his logo was composed by John Williams. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and Jerry Goldsmith did Kassar and Vanya's uh, Car- right. Karolko. Okay, well, look, this is a hell of a week. It's a hell of a week. And I think for those of you who are are, are thinking of boycotting the Oscars on Sunday, we've just given you a bunch of great films to watch instead. Absolutely. Can't go wrong with any of these films. On Monday, Steve? Monday is Gene Hackman stars as Harry Call and Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation. So the Oscar goes... To best, to best sound for the conversation. On Tuesday, Darren, who's the Oscar go to? The actual winner of best editing, Thomas Stanford, in Robert Wise's original version of West Side Story from 1961. Yeah, that's the other thing I miss. And the winner is, I liked and the winner is the Oscar goes to. Why well, we well, all see that was the first, that was the first dent in the armor. You know, you know that was the first thing that, well, we can't really say. There's winners because that says there's losers. You know what? There are there losers. Are losers. There are Unfortunately, losers. this year it's us. And yeah. I think that the the lo- you know losing makes you want to come back with that next film that's going to win. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong. You still you got an Oscar nomination. You are yes, you are a winner. But that night you're losing. Elf you're not the low. winner. And and the loser. famous quote is and the winner is. It's an iconic yeah. line. Yeah. Okay, Steve. Uh, that brings us to Wednesday and Ashley Miller. The Oscar goes to. John Williams playing a lot of instruments in 1982's... Wait, that's wrong, isn't it? He plays no, no instruments. He, he plays no instruments. Well, you know what I'm saying. That's all just dramatic license. 1981. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, a Steven Spielberg joint. And on Thursday, the Oscar for production design goes to 1968's Stanley Kubrick, 2001... A Space Odyssey. And on Friday, the all-new Best Casting Award is presented for the first time ever yeah. by the four of us to <laughs> the cast of Philip Kaufman's The Right Stuff. Dun, 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 That's a great dun, week. Dun, dun, I would dun, watch the crap dun, out of that week. I would, too. Yeah. 
That's good. And uh, best uh, score should have gone to Tchaikovsky for that one. <laughs> 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 Bill Conti score is great. It is, but there's a lot of uh, Tchaikovsky's violin concerto in it. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Remember, Varez only put, put a, it was a weird combination. It was yeah. half right stuff, stuff and, and north, north and south, south with yeah. a big picture of John Frakes on it. <laughs> by the oh. way we should mention the casting for the right stuff was done by lynn stallmaster the great exactly. lynn stallmaster who is done who also so can superman superman yes. superman but so many movies uh great tv shows in the 50s yep. and 60s then became a legendary casting director through the 70s absolutely and, 80s, and passed away a couple of years ago but uh, a legend a true legend and i think may have even gotten an honorary oscar if not certainly deserved one absolutely yeah Okay, well, this was this was a fun one, and hopefully, we redressed a horrible um, uh, uh, decision by oversight the academy. committee. It's, not, it's more than an oversight. I was going to say oversight, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to say oversight. Yeah, no, it's on it's purpose. Not it's not an oversight. Yeah, it's no. it's it really it's really unfortunate. It's a correlated attack, is what it is. I mean, because again, this is what we talked about last year, where people can play all oh, the Batman's three hours, right? And we're like, yeah, Lawrence Arabia was longer. Godfather Two was longer. So what? And it's the same thing with the Oscars. Oh, it got to be less than two hours or whatever. You know, I remember when the Oscars four or five hours. Who cares? Yeah. Don't watch as long it. As it's good. As long as, as it's care. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else you got to put on uh, ABC? No one's forcing you to watch the damn thing. Yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's just, oh god, the world we live in. I watched it when I was in visiting London. I stayed up until like four o'clock in the morning to watch the damn thing. Yeah. Well, look, this was Oscar week, our version of Oscar week. The category is Oscar forgot. And we thank you for joining us. We want to thank uh, Bill Ritter, um, uh, Mark Rivera, now Miss Callie, Peter Holmstrom, everybody for making it possible. We want to thank the Academy for nothing and uh, <laughs> nothing. And we want to thank you for uh, listening and staying with us here on our fifth season of the 4-3 movie. It's hard to believe we, we, we're we now in the early days of our fifth season. And we, I, I'm proud to say, have never been doing better. The show has just continued to grow and grow and grow. And, uh, you know, all the other shows, we tend to, you know, piss people off. We lose listeners. This show just keeps growing and growing. It's amazing. Well, we just got to piss more people off. I think. And remember, if your show grows for longer than four hours, well, you're done. <laughs> anyway, on that note, I want to thank on behalf of Steve Melching, Ashley Miller, Darren Doctor, and myself, Mark A. Altman, uh, all of you for listening. And until next week when we're back with get to the chopper now week the films of arnold schwarzenegger eyewitness news starts now This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.